Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm the host. And today I have with us Gut Instinct Kombucha. Uh, Tob Hobson is the founder and co-owner, and he is from Walguga, Australia. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks, Justin. I hope Didn't I got the yourself? name right. I, we were talking about it, the name beforehand. I think I got it right. Well, Guga. Yeah, mate, that's the one. So tell us a little bit, Tom, about yourself and, and how you got into the kombucha business and, and your background. Just, I guess, start at the beginning and tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Yeah, mate, so basically I've just, you know, my family and I have always been pretty conscious about our health and being fit and active and and I was actually teaching in Borneo for a few years and and I just I decided I wanted to start a business because I didn't want to work for someone else anymore but I found myself just constantly sort of almost preaching to the kids about you know having a healthy diet and you know this sort of stuff and and my girlfriend at the time she was Korean and her her mum actually I lived with them and her mum taught me how to make kimchi and fermented chilies and and I sort of felt the benefits and and saw them and, and started to learn a bit more about it and, and at that time I moved back to Australia and, and it turned out mum was making kombucha in little jars in the kitchen and I thought all right maybe this is this is something I could do so I just started you know playing around trying different you know getting berries from the farms around here and different fruits and things like that and trying to find some flavours and getting people to try them and yeah eventually I found a couple of flavours that, that turned out to be pretty good and just it just sort of snowballed from there I guess At What year was this that you started uh, You started Gut Instinct basically? So I moved home at the end of 2014 so pretty much a bit over four years ago I started and pretty much to the day, well, it was it was April or May of 2015. I got got it into my first shop, so it took me from from sort of January to April, May to sort of come up with some some kombucha that was that was pretty good and and get labels and you know all the other stuff and come up with a bit of a plan for is this actually going to be a business that's that's worthwhile doing and not just a hobby? So yeah, so it's been going for bit over four years now and it's it's been sort of growing steadily ever since so now previous to this were you in business of any sort or is your family entrepreneurs i mean it's a big step to say you know i don't want to work for anyone else it was it something that your your parents have done or friends or where did that come from or is it just something you're like i don't want to no i I mean, both both my parents were pretty probably risk averse. My dad was just a, he was a government government employee, but did did quite well in the timber industry. And and mum was a travel agent. And I guess for them, you know, I'm not sure about your story in terms of your folks, but it's it's probably a bit of a concern for them. But but they were very supportive and and helped me out a lot when I first moved back to Australia and and yeah so I don't I don't personally have a lot of 
people that I that have, have done it, but I I met a couple who live across the road who basically started their they've got a design business and started it at the same time. So it's been really awesome to catch up with them them each week and that watch their business grow and you know they're becoming leaders in their field of passive housing, which is a whole different story, but really a cool thing about living healthy life and having healthy environments to live in so you know being able to share ideas and you know the, the failures and successes going as we as we encounter it's, it's been really cool you know yeah it's amazing and i i really do love what's going on with kabuchas here in the united states so i mean what kind of flavors do you have and where can people find your products which your website and, and as well as your social media handles yeah so um I think kombucha is, as opposed to the states, it's it's massive over there. I I follow quite a few people on Instagram, and I know I've met people. and And Australia is is really heading that way. There's some big companies that big players that have come into the market, such as Coca Cola has bought one of the companies. Frucor owns a kombucha company, but I mean, I guess personally. My brand is is all about you know I started out. I basically have two two core uh, flavors, and I'm sort of working on an extra one or two. But I have a ginger and lime kombucha and a passion fruit one, and and they originally started out. We just grew them in in my father's garden. You know, we grew organic ginger. He had lime trees in the backyard. He had a passion fruit vine, and so now I, you know the the limes from an organic farm just nearby where I live and he's growing passion fruit for me and I get the passion fruit um, currently from up in Queensland but uh, and the ginger also from Queensland but I've got, I'm working with a guy to get that locally as well because obviously that's that's really important to me and being sustainable and um, as well as you know creating amazing products but yeah if you if you're keen to check it out it's the, the website is uh, www.your-gut-instinct. And, yeah, if it, I'm not sure about handles for Facebook and yeah, so Instagram. I think Sorry, it's, mate. It's at, uh, I think it's at Gut Instinct. Is that correct? Gut Instinct yeah. Kombucha. Um, on, uh, yeah, Gut Instinct Kombucha, yeah. And so... The Instagram, which is where I'm focused now. Yeah, I guess uh, in... Maybe we, for some reason that they nickname it handles here in the U.S. I'm not sure why. It reminds me of in the United States they used to each trucker that truck drivers that used to go across the United States used to have handles, and for whatever okay. reason and like you know I could be like White Ghost or something or a Prairie Dog or some made up name. So I guess that's <laughs> where the term comes from. But um, yeah, okay. So tell us a little bit about how you came up with the name and your logo and and where all of that came from because I think the name is phenomenal. I mean, it makes complete sense uh, with kombucha considering it helps give you a healthy gut. But I also I also want to ask you a question on the health benefits of it because you're you're very into it and it's important to you. But so how did you come up with a name first and then? What is all the healthy things that that kombucha does, and and why it, health means so much to you? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's interesting because probably six months ago, I, I like most entrepreneurs, probably I 
write, I go through notebook after notebook and I found the one when I first started and I had a whole page of names and gut instinct was somewhere around the middle of that page and I guess the logo and the name, the logo, the circle sort of part of that was, you know, yin and yang and the circle of life but also to represent the gut itself, um, you know, balance with the different colours in the logo and... Um, but the name itself, I guess, yeah, obviously it's about gut health, but, but, and sort of at the time I didn't realise, but, but the gut, the gut's um, influence on the brain or the gut brain connection. And, and, you know, there's, there's a reason there's phrases like go with your gut or, you know, I've got that gut feeling because generally there's a, you know, there's a reason we feel good or bad or, or whatever the emotion is about something, not not in our head, but in our gut. So, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done. But but following that intuition and and that's a big part of how I live my life is trying to you know engage with people about that that I feel good about and, and that I feel that are authentic and and on a similar path to me and and that's that's what, what I want my brand to be. I want it to be authentic. I want it, I want people to be able to engage with me as the, the owner of the company, but also my product and make them feel good. And, um, yeah, sorry. I can't remember what the other part of the question was. No, That's no, it's all good. Um, no, cause I, I tend to compound questions. So I'm sorry. Cause my brain works fast. Um, sometimes and I get all, all right. excited. I'm like a little, little kid jumping full of energy when I get <laughs> behind the mic and do these podcasts. But the, I think uh, I asked you about the health in particular and, you know, how has it changed your lifestyle? I mean, you're in health food and you're probably lived a healthy lifestyle before, I'm guessing, if you got into kombucha. But, you know, what is it that is important to you about the health aspect uh, in, in the lifestyle? I mean, we talk about that a lot in the United States, so I'm not sure if it's the same in Australia, but how you know, people are, are living healthier lives. So I didn't know if that's something that meant a lot to you. And you talk about being authentic. I'm just wondering, you know, you obviously got in the business because you were living a healthy lifestyle and wanted to share that with everyone else. Um, so how does Definitely, it affect mate. you? Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, we've, my family and I, we've always been, you know, really active you know, which was probably our generation, you know, 20, 30 years ago, as kids growing up, you know, it was always just, you go swimming in the river nearly every day in summer and you ride the bikes and, you know, dad would take a swimming training and and he still swims every morning down at the beach here in Woolwoolga and, you know, we have like healthy green juices and stuff like this. So it's all, you know, eat real food, not not packaged and processed junk and, you know, so, so yeah, that's always been a part of it. But then one of the big triggers was for me when I came home and my auntie, who I was very close to as a kid, she was at my parents' place and she, I, I didn't realise, but apparently she started drinking quite heavily. Like every day she'd drink a bottle of wine or more and she came over to mum and dad's, mum's sister, and mum started her drinking kombucha and she hadn't drank any alcohol since she'd been there. And so mum's like, 
got it set up. So she started making kombucha and went back to where she lives. And she hadn't drank until this was like literally when I first started the business. And then she went for a few months and hadn't drank any alcohol again. It's like, oh wow, because because I mean, and it it's done the same for me too. I've always like most people, you know, in Australia especially, it's real. It's a real cultural thing to just get on the grog every weekend. You know, you, that's what you do. So I've always struggled with. I don't want to drink so much, but it's it's almost a norm. But then your body sort of almost craves. It comes to Friday, you deserve a beer. So, but when I started drinking kombucha, that was just the, the biggest thing for me. Was I never? I, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like drinking near as much anymore. I'd still drink a little bit, but barely nowhere near as much. And I, you know, so it was, and my understanding is, is, is the gut bacteria is going, we want more of the good stuff. We don't want the bad stuff anymore. Yep. So it's not even a, a conscious thing. It's just your body's saying, this is what we want. So, I mean, there's, there's, more studies starting to happen about kombucha and the health benefits, but basically for me, it's like I've seen things like with my auntie, people come up to me, mate, when I when I do a do an event or a market. Oh, I used to have different gut issues, and now they've you know they've improved so much since I've been drinking their kombucha and things. So for me, that's that's what it's all about. I I drink it every day because I love drinking it, but. But when you hear other people saying it's it's helping them in some way, well, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I try to. I drink it a lot myself all the time, just because of my gut and needing balance in there. And I have sensitivity to all weird sorts of stuff, uh, potatoes and gluten and all of that stuff. I've become just very sensitive to it. Um, not only from my stomach being imbalanced, but my skin will actually peel off my hands pretty badly, and it's just. So having my gut in balance with the kombucha and then staying away from white potatoes and gluten, um, it's it's pretty amazing. But that being said, in the United States, we've really just butchered gluten in general because I can go over to Europe <laughs> and eat bread all day long and I don't have the same allergic reaction, but yeah. that's here nor there. So it's one of those things where um, we as human beings have really thrown off the balance in our bodies and the kombucha helps bring that balance. So I'm, I'm always like, it's awesome because I thought it was so big here. I didn't understand that, you know, everywhere else was starting to catch on to it and seeing your website and, uh, and finding you on social media. I'm like, holy crap, this is pretty awesome. Like there's <laughs> other places are getting this and, I think it is a better way of life. And to go back to what you were saying about alcohol, I think a lot of people are starting to feel that way. And in the United States, we're starting to see kombucha bars pop up or bars yep. that do like ciders. We had one of them on our episode and they do, you know, alcoholic ciders, but they also do kombuchas because people want to go out, but not everyone wants the social scene of drinking anymore. And they have the urge to go out on weekends or at night with friends, but they're like, I don't need, to, to tie one on and, and get drunk. I can have a kombucha and I can actually feel better and, and balance my body. So I think it's in the United States has become this huge cultural thing and shift because I can tell you when we're in our universities and we're young kids, like that was what it was. 
you know, Thursdays through Saturdays, um, sometimes even Wednesdays, depending on what it was. It was <laughs> they call them happy hours, but we yep. everyone's yep. out drinking two o'clock in the morning, feel like crap the next day, trying to get through Friday and out again on yep. Friday night, trying to get through Saturday, out again on Saturday night, and then just trying to recover on Sunday. And but we're seeing this shift where kombucha is really becoming that replacement there's something there and people can go out and drink it and they can go out and have a good time and still feel good about themselves and in some ways like you're saying there's um i don't know i would call it my brain reacts similarly when i'm drinking it but i don't have the hangovers and i don't have you know the stuff that goes on if i drink too much of it it's okay like i'm balancing my body and i still feel good about doing and i'm still getting the same high for lack of a better term as alcohol without the depressive aftermath so i think it's pretty cool for mental health um also and so i really like what you're doing one of the things i really thought was awesome and it's starting to catch on here but i i really liked it about you is that you actually have kabuchas on tap yep and is that something you're you're doing so you can get into bars or it's easier for people to have or restaurants so explain that to me a little bit and how you actually produce the kombuchas do you put them in bottles do you put them in cans are you putting them in kegs you know and and where are you doing all this yeah so there's a whole there's a range of reasons i mean that i put it on tap but i mean one it's it's a lot easier for me to put it in a 19 litre keg than bottle you know, I do. I sell it in three thirty mil bottles, seven fifty mil bottles, and then on tap in kegs. So, of course, you still need to clean and sanitise kegs. But, but I guess, I mean, part of the ethos ethos of gut instinct is about doing the best for yourself, but doing the best for you for the planet, but also for the for the customer or the stockist who's selling the stuff. You know, so my main business is wholesale, so I'll go and install a machine that you can have kombucha on tap and then they can, they have, I'm not sure, I'm assuming, you know, the terms growlers and squealers, you know, like the one and two litre bottles. So people can buy one of them and then refill them. So they're not, then, you you know, there's no single use bottles or whatever to go back into, to landfill or, or, or recycle, which costs, costs quite a lot of money as well. But also it gives the, so most of them are in sort of cafes or restaurants, but a lot of those are licensed too. So it, it gives the the owner of that venue the opportunity they can, you know, make a mocktail out of it. They can make a cocktail out of it. Um, there's a backpacker here in town. He did he made kombucha cocktails. So basically, my passion fruit kombucha with some Bacardi, some strawberry, some mint, and they were awesome, mate. They were so nice. <laughs> so, you know, but, um, yeah, so it's, I guess that side of it, it's, if it was my cafe, I'd be like, that's a cool thing to have in my shop because we've got this, this image of the, of the beach from a beach nearby here. And, you know, we put gut instinct kombucha, it's raw, organic and authentic. I think it says on there and, you know, it's a, it's a, cool sort of piece that people can come in and see but you know to then sort of have that a sustainability but this this sort of cool thing that you can go in and, and it's almost like 
that that correspondence with alcohol because you can pour it out of the tap and you know so it's a similar thing in that sort of way but it's good for you so but it also gives that option that if someone does want to have a drink that's that's healthier than a you know a sugary cocktail or a beer or whatever or a cider maybe then they can have kombucha with a shot of gin in it or you know something like that and so do you do all the the production and stuff yourself and and do you have employees i've just started employing a a young fellow that that's been awesome because i yeah as you probably know justin it's you work <laughs> to, to reflect back on um, being a school teacher as opposed to how much I work now, <laughs> it's worlds apart, you know. So, you know, pulling massive days. So now I've got, I've got a guy that's helping me with production so that I can start focusing on selling. And he's, you know, yesterday we, we literally worked 12 hours straight and didn't stop because he's just happy to work with me. So it was... <laughs> It's. I think it's um, probably not easy to find someone like that. It's easy enough when you're doing it for yourself, but yeah. But yeah, so you know, I've got, but I've also got a designer that I can basically just call on and say, I want you to, you know, he designed the the wraps for the kegerators or you know, decals for the fonts or you know, business cards. So, and a guy that delivers for me and things like that. So. As such, I haven't really had employees up until recently, but there's been a lot of other people that have had massive input into my business that that I'm so grateful for, you know? I mean, it's so incredible. I mean, just the whole experience and being able to, four years ago, come up with a concept and then have it grow and, and now be bringing it in. And I actually... Um, I really love the concept of people having the growlers and the squealers because then they just need to fill it and come back and it encourages them to go back and refill it again versus just throwing it out. And that's, I I think I've only heard of actually one or two people um, in the United States so far that actually have it on tap and where people can go in and refill a growler. And, but it makes sense. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? And why not do it and not put stuff in re, uh, landfills and garbage and recycling because I know in the United States we produce a lot of trash and we yeah. don't reuse things a lot and we don't encourage it and so to do that you're getting a customer that comes in over and over again buying your product and and then for you it's someone coming in over and over again buying um, the kombucha f- from that uh, that person selling it so that seems incredible to me. And you mentioned you have someone do your delivery, so you don't um, you don't do the deliveries yourself, I assume, or is it something I, you I'd do? I still when you do can? in the in the local area, but yeah, I've got. So basically, I've got a few in Sydney, which is like probably to drive from Woolgooga to Sydney is maybe six or seven hours or something like that. But between here and there, there's a, I've got a refrigerated courier guy that basically picks it up and he sort of goes sort of four hours south of here so there's a few few places with it on tap that I'll visit every now and then but but he just basically takes the kegs down there picks up the empty ones brings them back for me to to you know clean and sanitize and and if they need growlers and squealers he just 
takes them down down as well. So, yeah, it's. I mean, like I said, I've had back when I first started. You asked the question earlier about, um, you know, were my parents or anything in business? No, they weren't. But they, one particular friend of theirs, I remember he he used to train people in a in a government program who wanted to start a business. It was called New Enterprise Incentive Scheme, and I used to meet him, you know, once a week, and we'd just go over. All right, and he sort of helped me create a business plan and. So people like that that, you know, cost me a few coffees and a couple of dinners for them, but was so valuable, you know. And Just being able to ask for help and having someone there for you, I think. And a lot of people are too scared to ask for help. So I think that's so important. Definitely, mate. That's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned is, is – be open to advice and 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 try and seek out people who who you know have done it before. I mean, I didn't know he was a big numbers man. He was like, you need to work out what what something's going to cost you and how much you're going to sell it for, and are you actually going to make money? Because you know, I look around and I see some businesses, and and you sit in a coffee shop, mate, and there's you know, there might be 10 people in there over an hour period and they've got three or four staff on. It's not rocket science to work out the amount of coffees you sell is not even going to cover your wages, let alone all the rest of it. But by, by having a simple plan at the start, well, that's going to become pretty obvious pretty quick, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so many people do that. I mean, that's. I'm glad he did that because... That's most entrepreneurs that, and we have a saying, uh, at least when I work with people, I'm like, and they're two years in, I'm like, if you don't have the numbers worked out and you haven't figured it out and written out on paper and gotten your cost uh, accounting down and, and where you need to make money and how many things you need to sell and cover your overhead, you know, you, you're one of those businesses that, that falls apart within the first two years like so many entrepreneurs do because they don't actually know how much things cost, how much to sell it for, how much to pay people, and they sort of just rush in without putting the numbers on paper or writing a proper plan. Yep. And even though you don't need to follow the plan 100% and life changes and you have to maneuver and pivot uh, as a business owner, but the the thing is is you still have to do the exercise and know where the money's going because it'll be Definitely. time before you know where you're upside down and losing money and you can't figure out how to get out of it and you'd rather be ahead you're better off at zero than in a negative for sure (laughs) yeah i mean it takes it takes money and it takes time you know as you know mate to to actually start a business you if you want to put everything into it i mean with my business i I decided i'm going to quit my job and i'm going to start it but i'm going to go full on at it so you you know you sort of it was I I budgeted to do that because I because I knew I wasn't possibly if it didn't work I might not make any money for a year so you you know you're sort of forfeiting whatever your wage is fifty grand for the year plus whatever money you put into the business so it, it does cost money so you don't want to be going into it going oh well I'll just start selling flowers and hope people buy them or you know that it, it does take that that forethought and. And what is thing? What are things going to cost you? And 
and how much am I going to be able to make out of that? What's my time worth, you know? How many people don't... I sort of... When I first started, that was a big lesson. I, I sort of valued my time greater than it probably was worth so that if things go wrong or things take longer than they should, then, you know, that was sort of built into the, the product price so that I know I'm actually making money when I'm around there for 12 hours straight bottling or cleaning or whatever. And and so I'm going to ask a question then. I mean, you didn't, did you borrow money to start the business or you're like, I have the money, I'm going to start it with myself and, and work myself and then that way I don't need to be in debt? I mean, in the United States, so many people take on all of this debt before they start a business and it becomes this hindrance. Um, and while they may be able to grow f- a little bit faster at the beginning, it often becomes a hardship in the long run. So is that something you did? And I don't know how it works in Australia, but they do a lot of small business loans here in the United States. Mate, it's, yeah, you, I mean, money's a lot harder to come by now than it was four years ago, but in all over the world, but I've, I've always lived within my means. I've never, I've never been one to go and use a credit card and spend money I didn't have. So I've always been reasonable at saving and, but spend money to enjoy life as well. But I'd, I'd kind of plan for, I'd actually started the, a, a website around health and sort of nutrition probably, when would that have been? 2013, I think. I just went for a holiday for two weeks in the Philippines surfing and just spent the whole time building a website, right? So, so... I'd planned, and at that time I was like, all right, but in the next year or two I'm going to stop this job and I'm going to have enough money so that, like I said, I could I could put everything into it for a year or so. And worst-case scenario, I forfeit that year's wages because I haven't got a job and, you know, it, it might cost me 10 grand or whatever it would. But, you know, thankfully I was I was able to get help off a lot of different people that, input you know had input in different areas of my business like the guy i mentioned before and and a guy who'd helped me with invoicing and all this other stuff and i sort of just mate i started out just getting recycled bottles and removing the labels and sterilizing and relabeling them you know so my mum still says oh, i still remember you down there at two o'clock in the morning with bottles <laughs> clinging around you know like so whereas i feel like that that was the hard way of doing it. The easy way is I'm going to borrow a bit of money and buy pallets of bottles, you know, spend yeah. a couple of grand. But my idea was I, I had the time at that point, so I I did those things. I, you know, built signs from a market stall and, and this sort of thing instead of buying it. And and then as I as it grew, I I could then use that money to, to start buying bottles and start, you know, investing in different areas so that, so that I grew my business. So I didn't obviously make a lot in the first year, but, but then sales started to pick up and, and, and it went from there. And so, I mean, how many places are you in around Australia? How many places serve your kombucha? And obviously they do it in retail, like in the bottles as well as the kegs. Do you have any idea? Yeah, so currently I think there's probably around 80, 80 venues that have my product from 
some of them sell the 330 mil bottles, some sell, you know, those in the 750 mil bottles, some have the kombucha on tap. There's probably at the moment now somewhere between 20 and 25 that have my kombucha on tap, I think. And that that ranges from a couple down in Sydney, basically up the east coast to to just north of where I live to another sort of seaside town but generally the main my main business is through I, I think in in the states you call them whole food stores it's like yeah. a, um they there's a particular chain in Australia called Go Vita Australia and they sort of sell you know like cosmetics and you know organic products and oh, you know, like mueslis and and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah. so I have it in a whole bunch of those, and they all have it on tap, and it's quite successful. So, but now just starting to move into more bars and restaurants, and like I was saying before, have that option of giving the the venue a bit more opportunity to make a bit more money by sprucing it up a little bit, and you know, maybe putting some mint or lime or some sort of garnish in it and selling it for a little bit more or or making a cocktail out of it and you know that it gives them the opportunity to make quite good profit margin but also you know obviously providing the customer with a with a great product that they enjoy uh, i think that's an awesome idea and like even maybe like a little recipe guideline book because you mentioned the passion fruit with the uh the alcohol and the beach and all that the passion fruit kombucha so i think that that's I mean, there's probably so many things you could do with kombucha. I didn't actually think about it, um, that, but there's probably all these different like recipes and bar mixes, uh, both alcoholic yep. and non-alcoholic that you can use kombucha with. And uh, yeah, sure. so I don't know if that's something, but it just came to mind that that'd be really cool to have something to hand out like that and and do something like that. And I know in the United States, a lot, that's become quite popular with food and stuff like that people supply recipes when they supply the products but i didn't you know or alcohol but i've never thought about it with kombucha but it would make sense for sure um so what yeah that being said what are your future goals for the company and and where do you want to grow and and you mentioned more bars and restaurants is that your focus right now yeah so so sort of back to what you said uh, yeah we've literally just gone through a whole rebrand so Basically, I think it was end of January, early February. We've just sort of got new labels on the bottles, new wraps for the kegerators, a whole new look. This sort of the image of the of the local beach that's on the kegerators, and you know, sort of that summery, cool, healthy sort of. Hopefully, that's the message it's getting across, and and attracts people to want to drink the product because that's that's sort of what we portray and. I guess authenticity and raw, organic, and all that sort of thing. So, so from that, we've sort of made some different signage and and um, sort of table cards and things. But then, moving forward, sort of to freshen it up over the next, you know, three to six months, then we'll we will introduce and take those table cards out and hopefully add some mocktail or cocktail recipes that people can put on their tables at restaurants or. So do you literally mean then there'll be cards for the bartenders or is it something you see that you'll 
put with the kegerator when people refill their growlers that they can take with them so they can take home and do recipes? How do you sort of envision that going just for clarity for the audience? So more just um, for, for restaurants or bars just to have on a table so that it's sort of sitting there when they sit down to have a meal or have a drink and they can just see on one side it'll just have a picture of gut instinct kombucha and then on the back it might just have cocktails and then it might have the one I explained earlier and then there might be another one with the other flavour. So as such, I, I probably steer away from having flyers and things that you can take away because I've done it in the past and I I don't think they get read a lot of the time. It's, it's probably a bit of a waste of a resource. So basically have a little bit of information there, not too much at the place where they can purchase it so that, you know, customers understand the product. And then if, if they want more information, then they can go to the website or have a look on, on social media and find that out. Yeah, I think that's actually um, an excellent point is a lot of people do waste money on flyers or take-home stuff for people, and people just set it down and then never look at it, and then the next time they see it, it's when they're throwing it away. And with exactly. information technology and social media and websites so easily accessible from cell phones and stuff, you know, I think it is a much better resource for people to go to to learn things like that. So what, it, yeah. I mean, from here, where do you go? I mean, you're, so you're going into restaurants. I mean, where do you hope to grow out, out of Australia or is it something you, you have a lot more room to go in Australia? So, I mean, how do you envision that and, and sort of what are your goals for your company the next five to 10 years? I think there's still a lot more room to grow in Australia for sure, mate. It's, um, I've, I've literally just taken on a distributor in my local area and they're, so they're going to start taking over some of the dockers that I currently have, but they're also hopefully picking up some new ones. But also, I'm not sure if you know of the geography of, of Australia, but there's another. So basically, where I live is about three, three or four hours south of the Queensland border, and then the the distributor I have has a territory that goes up about another hour and then there's another distributor that goes to the border and meets this one and they're just taken on my product. So the, all up around that area is Byron Bay. Have you heard of Byron Bay? Yes. Before? Yeah. So up around that area, I'm literally just, I sent my first pallet up there last week for the this distributor bid food. So they're going, to, I'm going to go up there, go around with the sales reps and see how many, Stockers I can pick up there. So I know there's a there is a company up there called the Butcher of Byron, which has got a pretty strong foothold. But I've been told my products are a fair bit better than theirs. So I'm looking forward to getting up there. And you know, it's my goal is not not to become some global company because I just I've seen I I see other companies doing it, other kombucha companies and. I'm sure they're doing well, but I mean, how much, how much better do you want to get bigger, and and how much more money is it going to be worth? And and also, a really important thing is the is the product itself. I mean, I've there's a couple of beers in Australia that that started out as craft breweries, and they've just their beer is not the same as it used to be. They've you know they've gone expanded dramatically and they're sort of nationwide now and 
and you know having their beer a couple of years ago to now there's no comparison so you know it's it's not easy and i know other kombucha companies are doing it too they're not doing it the same they're not doing it authentically so you if you want to get to some massive scale you can't you can't you can but it's it's extremely expensive and and labor intensive to have authentic kombucha produced with real natural raw ingredients as opposed to using a kombucha concentrate adding some sort of natural flavors and essences and and force carbonating it's it's a different product and it's it's great that, that those products are out there for people who who want to drink and think they're being healthy but but that's not who I want to be and who I, where I want my brand to go yeah, I love that actually. And you're staying true to yourself. And we we see that in the U.S. as well. People try to expand and then they start cutting corners to make things to produce more faster or, you know, they go from small batches to large batches and they lose quality. And that's for food and beverages. And it's just yep. at some point, like you're okay being a small to medium company, but you start pushing that really large threshold and you start cutting corners, you start needing massive equipment, you start losing the ability to, to keep an eye on things the way you used to. And products do suffer. And then they often go, you know, they start putting preservatives in them or artificial ingredients because they want longer shelf life because profitability becomes so important because you're massively producing it versus just getting control of the quality and making sure that's maintained. So I think it is important while we talk about it on this episode, because so many people have these lofty dreams of being, like you said, going and being a global company and growing. But what they don't realize is the sacrifices made. I mean, it's not only a personal sacrifice and for what and how much more money do you need? I'm not saying we shouldn't strive for money or goals or things like that. But what I am saying is it is you want to weigh the options and staying true to the quality and things like that is really, really important. Definitely. And I think it's, um, I mean, of course, we're doing it for money. That's what makes the world go around. That's the world we live in. But, but like you say, how much, I mean... The way I look is how much money do I need? I've got a really good life. You know, I live by the beach. If I want to, I can go and eat out. I, I, I don't want for a lot. But I also, it, part of it is a financial decision. I mean, do I want to spend a lot of money and expand a heap to, to probably, you know, have an inferior product, but also the headaches that go with it and... And is it going to make me a ton more money? Well, I don't know. Maybe it will, but maybe it won't either. But, but then what are you going to do with that anyway? So, <clears throat> yeah, and expansion not- costs cash flow. You People suck up a lot of cash in their companies if they try to grow too quickly and you tie up a lot of cash and, and then you take on debt that you normally wouldn't take on if you want a loan. And it's just... It has to be organic, I feel like. And when you rush into it and you try to grow too quickly and... You do things like that, you lose the quality of your product. Um, you lose the loyalty, I feel like, by a lot of customers because of that quality difference, the ones that got you there. And while you oh, may yeah. make a lot of money short terms, your brand doesn't stay around very long. I feel like after that point, in a lot of cases, either gets bought by another company and it's just 
another brand in the line, which is okay. People make money on doing that. So I'm not against making money in any way. I think it depends on who you are and what your goals are in life. And then that's how you live. I mean, if someone said to me that wasn't an entrepreneur, oh, I'm good where I am and money's bad and I don't need it. I'd be like, well, I, you need to figure out your life and balance your life. But when we start (laughs) making money as entrepreneurs, you know, we get to make that choice and that's the beauty of it. So I mean, the ability, like you're saying, is you, you're making money, you're in a good spot, you're growing the way you want to, that's authentic to you, and so you don't yeah. have to do it a, a different way other than the way that you want to, and that's one of the things, really, what I love about being an entrepreneur, and I really like working for myself, is that I can do it at my own pace. I can go the directions I go. We can we can grow with our customers that come in and listen to them, but we also get to choose how much of our life we get to, you know, do. Do I get time with my family? Of course, do. You know, and I get to make those decisions um, you know, most of the time and you know, and focus on the business without, you know, if I felt like you grow too big, um, on some cases that's outside your comfort level, then you're giving up other important things that make you successful, uh, for money, like time with your family or time to yourself or mental health and things like that, you know, definitely being healthy yeah. for me, you know, you know, I like exercising. I like living a healthy lifestyle. So eating whole foods, like you said. So if I get too caught up in things and then I'm on the road all the time and I'm not balancing it out and next thing you know, I'm eating at restaurants and I'm not eating very well. And I'm, you know, not watching what I consume or put into my body. And that's not, you know, that doesn't work for me. So I, I constantly have to find balance. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure. So what have been some of the hardships for you to grow this business? I mean, if there was, you know, three things you can name the hardest parts of doing it, what would have, what would they be? Sure. Can you say that again? Sorry, mate, a call came in, but I didn't, it didn't cut us off by the look of it. No, it's so okay. Did you say that last bit again? No, I said, um, so what are the three, if you could name three hardships you've had building your business, what would those be? Uh, I mean, where would I start? I mean, I think there's, there's sort of the hardest, probably hardest thing, I guess, is not knowing, you know, like, and and tr- and sort of how do I, how do, all right, how do I go about? Is what do I need to do if I want to sell kombucha? What do I actually need to do here? Oh, so to understand, oh, you got to go and get permission off the food authority. You got to do, you know, all this sort of paperwork. Oh, all right. What about, you know, so the hardships for me was that not knowing and then having to somehow get that knowledge, you know, if I want to put a product on the shelf, what's the best way of doing that? Am I going to put it in this size bottle, that size bottle? And, you know, if I design a label, are people actually going to buy it? You know, to... Um, all right, now that I've got it, got this product, how do I actually get people in a shop to put it on their shelf? Yeah. Oh, I've got to go in and talk to them, you know. How do I do all that sort of stuff to to then sort of growing it like that? Oh, where do I buy bottles, you know? Oh, I can buy 50 bottles from a local shop or I can get pallets somewhere. So that, to me, that was all the stuff that you probably don't 
for example, like to buy to buy a pallet of, to work out to buy buy a pallet of three thirty mil bottles, it's not just a matter of click, going online and clicking. I want that, you know. That I I wouldn't can't even imagine how many phone calls backwards and forwards and you know with different suppliers until I finally found one that oh you can actually send me pallets and then how do I get those pallets from Brisbane to Woolgooga and so to me that that's the not necessarily the hardest thing but the most time consuming thing just just going through all those processes rebranding all right I want to rebrand you know, made a decision probably September, October last year to rebrand. Oh, go and have a meeting with one one designer. Didn't like it. Went and had a meeting with another one. This guy went and had another one, spent three grand and came up with some rubbish, you know, and it's like... <laughs> but imagine how... I mean, you know how much time all that takes, Justin. Then, then I finally find one. It's like, hallelujah, you know. It's like... <laughs> this guy's awesome and and he turned stuff around quickly for me and you know at a reasonable price and but to get to that point it's not just oh i know this guy get him to design a label or or whatever it's there's so much involved in all that sort of stuff and and i think i was sort of explaining it to this guy who who's working for me you know and the amount of money I earned from from bottling this thousand liters of kombucha far outweighs what I'm paying him. But but all that time and effort and money and all the rest of it that went into actually to what what the product and that brand is now that's why that's why it's worth that amount. Yeah. Yeah. I- I think it's, uh, and I love it, and I I like pulling the threads out of things. And, I mean, one of the most important things, like, if I look at it and I take a step back as an entrepreneur, the thing that happens in, you know, and I majored in business, and I went and got a graduate degree in business as I was an entrepreneur because I thought I needed to learn more, and I was thirsting for more knowledge. But really what I learned out of all of it was that there's nothing like hard knocks. And while someone may recommend someone to do business with or recommend someone to do marketing with, if it doesn't mesh with me or my personality or the way I envision my goals as an entrepreneur, then it doesn't work. And there's really nothing like learning it yourself, the school of hard knocks, um, you know, going through and falling down and, and learning as we go as entrepreneurs. And everyone has to go through it. It's not like something that I can pass on to someone. I can have, you know, my stepdaughters involved in a business or or have them learn how to be entrepreneurs, but they've got to learn how to be an entrepreneur on their own from my experience. I can't give them what I have because being an entrepreneur is exactly what you said in so many levels is that it's got to be true to me. And if I'm going to succeed, I can't copy someone else because that's not going to work for me because everyone's different. And then on top of it, if I don't go out there and do it and keep learning my lessons and, and learning those hard knocks and getting knocked down every once in a while um, and having a lot of frustrating days along the way, it's, um, you know, there's there's no where I learn. And I've got to have that time and I've got to be willing to do it in order to learn. And I like that you keep going. I think that that's 
so huge that you talk about how this is what you want to do and, and you keep focusing on a goal. And they're, they're small steps. They're not these huge, ginormous goals. They're, they're little things to get you along the way, like the new distributor up in Queensland and things like that that help your business go. And a lot of entrepreneurs could learn from that. We try to set such lofty goals sometimes as entrepreneurs. We get lost on the little steps it takes to get there, and we find failures and frustrations. Well, it's you know it's sort of what you said. What can I do today to be successful tomorrow, or successful in the long run? How many things do I need to get done? What does it mean? And I really love that you talked about going on the road with the distributors and training them as well. I'm jumping back a few conversations, but I think it's so important that you as the owner and the person involved in the business are the one going out there because no one has the passion about the business like you do. And so I think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point, Justin, you made is about just taking small steps and sort of, I guess, for me, I've it's never really entered my head that I wouldn't be successful in this business. And so somehow that, that just gives me motivation to do something every day. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm, there's, I mean, as an entrepreneur, there's, there's always something on the list, right? So, but, but it's easy to just be lazy and not do anything. But, but if you know that every little thing you do is going, well, hopefully you, you, you've got a list that actually has things that are going to impact somehow. Whenever you do any of those things, you, you're moving towards your goal, whatever the goal is, you know, 10 years down the track, it might be to have for me 500 stockists or whatever. That's not necessarily my goal, but what am I going to do today? that's going to eventually get me there. Of course I'm going to get knocked back. Oh, if I go to 10 shops to try and get them to sell it, one of them might only put it in there. None of them might. But if I go to 10 tomorrow, that all 10 of them might. But understanding that that even though those 10 didn't want to, it doesn't matter because I've it's it's actually got me closer to where my goal is because because it's, it's far more likely that the 10 tomorrow will than you know. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, it makes complete sense. And, and to you know, really bring it full circle, it's that you, if you don't and you're not willing to go out there and do it, um, you don't learn the lessons to be successful. And one of the things you said is you didn't know the business before. So you've had to learn it as, as you go. And part of that learning process over the four years is actually going out there and you doing it and making the relationships with the retailers and the bars and the restaurants and the wholesalers or distributors. And so there's no one else that does it, but you didn't have that knowledge when you started the kombucha company. It's something you've had to learn along the way. Yeah. And along the way, there's been, you know, 10 out of 10 sometimes that say no, but every once in a while you learn from it and you learn what's successful and you get one out of 10. Yeah. And, and I guess it's probably a trait of most entrepreneurs is like, I've always really wanted to learn it's you know like I'd, if anyone talks to me about business whether it's the local cafe or or some guy that you know I have a mate who had a very successful business in Australia and I talk to him and I just pick his brain and 
if he has something to say about my business, I listen because he, you know, this guy started out building. He built a, a fiberglass tank, uh, water tank in his backyard in Queensland in the eighties, and he became it became this multi-million-dollar yeah. tank business. You know, like so. It's, and he showed me the he showed me his photo album of it, mate. Literally from back in his backyard building this tank to like a massive, massive business, and so. And I remember he used to say to me, oh, mate, I had some sleepless nights. And I used to think, what, he must have been up all night thinking about his business. And now that I have him and I'm actually, you know, around there bottling until six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Oh, he was actually working all night. And then his wife tells me, yeah, like she used to go around there at midnight and take him a cup of coffee and some food and yeah, and I think no, not many people realize that the sleepless night thing is, you know, I've had many of them, and it's not me up thinking about something most of the time. I mean, every once in a while I'll wake up and can't sleep because I got something on my mind. But a majority of the time that I have a sleepless night, it's because something else happened during my day, or I've got to turn in a, something for a deadline or a bid, or a customer has an issue that needs to be worked through, and, you know, you're there and working many, many hours to get it done. And that is what being an entrepreneur is, is that time. And so, I, you know, I just want to debunk that little saying, because I'm glad you said it. We haven't talked about it on this podcast at all up to this point, that sleepless nights aren't laying in your bed sleepless most of the time. It's usually <laughs> I've got something I got to get done and there's no one else that's going to do it except for me. And, yep. you know, and the buck, as they say, the buck stops with me because I'm the one who has to get it done. And if I don't get it done, I'm the only one responsible for it failing because I didn't do it. And yeah, I have a personality like you that I want to keep learning, but I also have the personality I don't want to fail, you know, if I don't have to. And, um, yep. you know, I'll do everything I can. And that includes sacrificing sleep to get it done. And even sometimes I'm like, okay, I, I promised my family I would spend time with them for eight hours. So I will go that eight hours during the day knowing I'm going to have to be up at night and work longer uh, while everyone's in bed sleeping. But I wouldn't give up that time with them for the world. So on one on one side, I would say that I, I could have had not had a sleepless night sometimes. But, you know, it's a personal preference for me. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it because I know it has to be done. And at the end of the day, if I didn't succeed or I didn't get something, it would have been because I fell short and didn't stay up. So I do like that you said that. But I want to continue where you were saying because I sort of jumped in on the conversation. Um, and you started talking about um, being up all night and what happened So and doing bottles. I mean, is there a lot of that in your business? Uh, where you're really having to put forward, or is it something that's now being limited now that you've hired someone that's working? <laughs> um, like I said yesterday, he came around and um, bottled with me for 12 hours. And I mean, probably in the last two months, is mate, it's pretty much a weekly thing. I'd be up all night, I'd work like it's it's not unusual for me to just work 18, 20 hours yeah. <laughs> just in the last couple of months. And that's, I mean, I remember I did one one day last year where I got up at midnight and I drove to Sydney and, and then installed machines and did stuff and, and literally finished at 9 o'clock that night. And I thought, that was extraordinary. And But 
few weeks ago I did like 18 and a half hours and then and then the following week I did like 21 hours or something like it was just <laughs> like I, I literally started at 11 o'clock in the morning and I had a few issues and then I finished at eight o'clock the following morning and that's literally I think I think my the chick I'm seeing like bought out some some food for me in the middle of the night <laughs> but and I said to Benny, the guy who's working with me, uh, it was last week or the week before I'd been out all day, like putting new wraps on kegerators and it was like five o'clock in the afternoon. I messaged him. I said, mate, I'm going to go back and, and bottle, right? If, if you want to, you can come around. He'd been working all day at the backpackers. So at six o'clock we started and he left at one in the morning and then I finished at like two thirty in the morning. But that's, so it's, it's for me, it's, awesome to find someone who's willing to do that because I think I said earlier you know it's easy it's not easy but it's it's a lot more motivating for me to be in, stuck doing that and and know that I'm building my business or making money than someone else so but it's just once you get into it you just do it mate as you know you know it's just what you just do what you got to do with whether it's with to have time with your family or just know that you've got to get stock out or well, and I, so that you can have a sleep in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and I want to just say something. I mean, most one of the things I we had another entrepreneur said on the program is that we're willing to work 80 hours instead of working 40 hours for someone else. I think that's, you know, exactly what we're saying. But the other part is, is there's so much more satisfaction in getting things done. And when you work those long hours knowing you did it and it's benefiting you and the business that you're trying to build, you know, there's a lot more there than just a financial benefit. I think a lot of it has to do with how amazing the, um, the experience is in general. So, um, that's pretty cool. And I think Justin, it's, it's interesting because I reflect now back on that sort of first and second year and I was still doing it at home and I'd, I'd bottled like half the amount and it'd take me like 10 or 11 hours, you know, and I'd, I remember finishing up and, you, you know, how, how good it felt to that, that sense of satisfaction. And I think it's, it's like anything in life. You can't expect I'm going to leave a job as a whatever nine to five job and then all of a sudden have this have it in you to be able to to go and you know do some monotonous task for for 15 20 hours it just it's or exercise you know you have to build up to it somehow but but yeah like you say once you get to that once you finish it it's it's pretty satisfying knowing it took a fair bit of motivation and perseverance and determination and all the rest of it. And you're building your own thing. Yeah. And I think it's so amazingly what, you know, important that we, we understand there is, I mean, that is a big difference between entrepreneurs and, and everyone else. There's people out there that are happy, just the nine to five job, as we would say, and, uh, or eight thirty yeah. to five or whatever it, your time is. But the thing is, is, you know, a lot of people just see 
that an entrepreneur works for themselves or that they control their own destiny or they've had success financially. But what they don't see is the amount of time that is actually put into doing it. And it's a choice and not everyone is built that way. You know, I I can name a lot of people that I know and friends and, and family members that that they are, they don't want to work. They want to leave. At the end of the day, when five thirty hits, they turn off the work switch and they turn on the family switch. And there's a clear line. That's not, you know, that's not the life we live as entrepreneurs. It's that business travels with you wherever you go, twenty four seven. And it takes a lot more to balance it. And then, in a lot of ways, we we involve the people around us because that time as an entrepreneur or whatever we're doing that's the time we get with people is during the business i mean i grew up that way my family was entrepreneurial and time spent together often was doing stuff like that so you know it came a little second nature to me actually i had a little bit of a shock value when i went to university is that not er everyone had that same mentality of, of working for yourself and putting in the extra time and uh, working together, I was like, "Wait a second, what's what's going on here?" And even though I had <laughs> friends and stuff that didn't grow up that way in in high school and middle school and stuff like that and grammar school, it was still a little bit like, "Wait a second, like why?" You know, I, I don't understand why don't you want to work harder or why don't you want to perform better in in your jobs and things like that. So it's different, and I really I've enjoyed talking to you for sure and in, in your experience, and I got to figure out how I can convince Deborah and, and my kid or my stepkids to, to fly to Australia. It is something we want to do and we'll come visit you guys for sure. Maybe now that I've done Definitely a podcast, not. we'll, we'll say that we have to try the kombucha and Tom, I do really want to continue to tell your story and hear how Queensland is going and the expansion and how the bars and restaurants go. So I would love to get you back on the show over the next year and continue to tell your story if that's okay with you. For sure, mate. Yeah, no, I'd love to. I, I um, the the development app, application actually got approved last Friday for in the, in our town here. There's going to be my brewery and a beer brewery being built. Oh wow! So, yeah, it's um, it's pretty exciting times, and the and the. The guy that's building the beer brewery, you, you may even want to talk to him or the developer at some point because he's he makes amazing beer, and so so that's all happening in the next you know sort of four to five months. We hope to be in there, and it's um yeah, that's pretty exciting well, for us and the whole town, you know. So. Well, and since I'm in control of the time on the podcast and I get to run it as the entrepreneur of it, I'm going to, I'm actually curious about it. And one is, is I'd love if you passed on the brewery guy's name and, and information to yeah, him, sure. mine, you're welcome to yep. pass it out. And I'd love to talk to him as well. But, you know, is it something that the developer came to you to do, or is it something you went to them or is he's trying to bring a brewery and the kombucha into one location? I'm sort of interested in and what's going on there. And if you don't want to say now, we want to leave it as a cliffhanger for next time. I understand. But um, if you wanted to wait, but so how, what made you decide to get into what we would say brick and mortar versus just the distribution and production of uh, the kombucha? It is exciting. Well, it's, it's really the, my brewery is really only a production facility. So it's more upgrading what I'm currently doing, but the guy who, who's bought the block he was helping me with my business he had he was quite successful in 
in um, tech and data business. So he's actually moved down from Brisbane to basically get away from the corporate world and he's done quite well and he's decided he was actually drinking my kombucha <laughs> and he was spending so much money off it, on it that he, um, I met him through the beer brewer and he was like, mate, how do I get this on tap at home? And <laughs> so we got talking and so he has it on tap at home and he loves it and then he really loves it, my mate's beer as well. Well, and then, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure of the whole full story about how it all sort of happened, but basically, he's he started helping with my business, bought this block of land, going to build a brewery there. Oh, hang on, why don't you build the build your new facility on the land? Or and so it sort of evolved from there. But yeah, mate, next time there's there's going to be so much happening with it, you know, as it obviously once it gets built and. You know, obviously, there's going to be some frustrating times in the next few months as that, as that all happens. But yeah, I'd love to talk to you again about you know well, how things have progressed and, and so how that all happens. And, yeah, it's so exciting actually, and and to have that type of growth and type of ap- opportunity. And you know, I've really enjoyed talking. To you. So the audience knows I'm I'm in California right now, and so the time difference to Australia is about 17 hours. So trying to coordinate a call and all that, we really I got a, <laughs> a real taste of of business again uh, on an international level. Just trying to coordinate the time alone and make sure we both had it correct. And and we did it all through technology, which is kind of incredible. All through direct message on Instagram, which you know is quite the tool these days. So. But Tom, I really wanted to thank you. I mean, I'm so grateful that you took the time and, and especially since you're in Australia, just to believe in what we're doing and, and come be on the podcast to share your story. And I want, you know, Gut Instinct and Kabucha, I love the name for sure. And I'm hoping again to get to Australia to try it. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for, for taking the time for sure and working through all the technological barriers we've had to face. Mate, mate, I really appreciate your time and chatting and, you know, to learn more about you and what you're up to, it's it's awesome for me. I mean, yeah, and, and obviously <laughs> figuring out the time so it works for both of us, but, you know, you're more than welcome, mate. Come down, I'll um, I'll look after you and, yeah, it'll be awesome. And I know it's a long way to the States. I've never actually been yet, so. <laughs> yeah, but, well, um, if you ever make your way up here, I'll take care of you too. Uh, Colorado's yeah. probably not the place you would go, but maybe if you like skiing and mountains and outdoors, uh, it is the place for you. There's a lot of fun we have here, and we certainly enjoy it for sure. Yeah, I've heard it's a beautiful part of the world, so. Yeah, it is, and yeah. I like it. And, um, you know, I want to just, all the audience, I mean, if you, you know, here's, you know, Tom's taking his time to be on the podcast, and I'm taking my time to do it all. You know, what we really are just looking for is if you like and you're learning from what we're saying, just share it with someone. You know, that's all we ask. We're not asking for anything in return or even a pat on the back. I think we're just helping other entrepreneurs and giving away knowledge so people can grow because, as we discussed on the podcast, we, you know, it's a hard knocks. And if we can learn from other people um, to make those hard knocks hurt a little less, I think it's so important. And there's so many business people out there like Tom around the world 
that are, are entrepreneurs and, and have a different view of life and, and work ethic and things like that, that I think we're really on the verge of changing the world. So if you really like what we're doing and you like Tom's episode one, obviously go to Australia and try his kombucha, but two, <laughs> share the episode and share what we're doing here on the podcast. Cause I think it's so important. And again, I'm so grateful for all the entrepreneurs like you, Tom, that have been on here and taken the time, um, it's an amazing thing and it's a beautiful thing that we're actually getting some international companies that want to come on here and share their story and believe what we're doing as well. And, you know, I like it because food and beverage is sort of how we bond. And I know when Deborah and I travel the world, we meet a lot of people through just going out and eat and experiencing food and beverages and, you know, and meeting people. So it's so cool to do it on this level. And now when we get to travel, sort of have a destination, you know, if I go to Australia, you know, I'd probably go to Sydney or, or Brisbane or Melbourne, but now I'm like, okay, I, I need to go find this kombucha and go find you and, and see what the, the town is like. And maybe even come visit that brewery when it's done, because I'm just curious and it, it gives a sort of different twist on, on travel for sure. So Mate, you, if you come to Australia, you've got to come to Woolgoolga. Seriously, I'm sitting at the beach right now, mate, and it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful part of the world. You, you would be doing yourself a disservice if you, didn't, if you, if you only went to Brisbane or Sydney, I, I assure you. Uh, well, I'm going to take you up on that because Deborah and I are the people that when someone offers us to go somewhere, we're we're on a plane. The benefit of traveling as much as we do is we have lots of mileage to travel. So you might yeah, end up awesome. seeing with us when people offer us, we're like, you, sh- you just be careful because when people offer us, we are the ones who take you up on it. If it's not now, it'll definitely be in the next few years. So. Um, right. I'm, and I'm my, serious. That's, that's and my birthday's sure. coming up this winter, so and Deborah's been asking me what I want for my birthday and on trip. So, you know, Australia it's summer there when it's winter here, so that would be pretty awesome to yeah. to go there next winter. So you may be seeing me next December and January. For sure, mate. You um, are more than welcome. You just let me know and we'll um I'll teach you how to surf if you want, even though I don't get much time to do that, but we'll we'll work it out. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> And I, I love surfing, so I, any way I can oh, and, yeah, and get awesome. out there and, and do it. I actually grew up on the East Coast, so um, in Maryland oh, and cool. around the water and grew up around the beach my whole life. So Colorado's a little bit different. There's no ocean here, and it's mountains, right. so I've had other activities I'm interested in. But um, <laughs> but I would love to go and definitely come visit. And thank you again, Tom. And I can't tell you how appreciative I am again. I keep saying it, but it really means a lot to me that you took the time to, to get on here and, and conversate with us and tell us your story. No, I appreciate it, mate. It's, um, it's nice that someone's interested and, and, and I'm keen to learn more about, about you and what you do and you know, what you're doing is you're doing some pretty amazing things over there. So it's, um, you know, it's it's good to talk to like like-minded people that that are trying to do, you know, do do good things in the world and and you know, obviously make hopefully make a bit of bit of money to enjoy life along the way because that's what we're here for to enjoy it. But if we can have an impact and help others, you know, live a healthy life and you know, hopefully be good to the environment along along the way. Well, you know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, I agree 100%. It's uh it's what we're here to do and I think there's a whole thing going on with entrepreneurs like us particularly in food and beverage that 
we're able to really help the world and everyone needs to eat and drink and we can live healthier lives, but we also can take care of the environment around us and the people around us doing it and, and just become a better place and a better planet and leave the world a better place than we found it for sure. So <laughs> that's it, mate. Well, thank you that's again. It. And thank you to the audience for listening in. Um, this is Justin, the food entrepreneurs podcast on social media. You can find us at Justin, the food entrepreneurs. And if you want to be on the podcast, email me. It's justin.bizarro at gmail.com. That's B I double Z A double R O at Gmail. And everyone have a great day. And again, please share it. Please share it with your family. Please share it with your friends. Thank you. Thank you.